The Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today. And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business, a new world of business. On the menu today. Okay. And why did you use the word investments? Why investments if you're in the retail space? I mean, when I started, I didn't know all those things. I used to just be hard on myself, thinking, why can't I get it right? Why can't I just win? But having these people in my team, they helped me understand it's okay to lose because that's how you learn. The only other thing you need to be aware of is once you're there, be committed. So if, if you're going to have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, then be committed, like look after these platforms because people might pass comments, they might pass questions, they might send you a sales inquiry. Welcome to the Big Small Business Show. This is the panel inserts today and today we have a very special panel. We have a, a semi-live live show today where we are recording from Tiso Blackstar's head office. We are at the SME um, Summit here, the, the Business Day SME Summit in Johannesburg. And normally on the show we have a panelist that would have written in, but today we had a lucky draw uh, and all the lucky draws were, were, were interviewed and uh, our producer has chosen Maropeng Modiba from Deline Investments as our panelist. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Right, so let's start off by finding out more about you. What, what do you do? What does the business do? Okay, Delaney Investments uh, is a company that was formed precisely for the running of uh, retail pharmacies and clinic services. So we are in retail pharmacies. Retail pharmacy and cleaning services? A clinic. Oh, clinic. Yeah, within the pharmacy there's a clinic. Uh, okay. Yeah. And why did you use the word investments? Why investments if you're in the retail space? Uh, well, Delaney is my daughter's name. Uh-huh. And uh, investment is when I and sort of conglomerated all the other businesses, just formed one into one group. How many uh, pharmacies do you have? I've got five pharmacies. Five pharmacies, where are they? Just uh, they are all based in Limpopo, two in Polokwane, one in a village called Botlokwa, uh-huh. and one north, and then one in a remote village called Njelele in Vembe, in Venda, uh-huh. and one here in uh, Midrand. And, and how many staff do you employ? We have about 32 employees. So if we're talking now, normally we would have had an insert in the show and we would know we would have come to your, your business, showcased your business. Just for the audience sake, uh, just give us a sense of what the issues are that you want us to discuss. Uh, well, uh, at this point in time, uh, the issues that I would like to be are basically the cash flow management, mm-hmm. um, branding, marketing, and positioning uh, Deline, as a, as, a, as a powerful company that's coming through, especially in the running of retail pharmacies, taking them to uh, areas where pharmaceutical care did not previously exist. Because that's the kind of the strategy that I'm looking at now. Okay, so, so I'm going to hand over to Kumar to, to ask questions. So your play, your strategy is a geographic-based thing, because the last point specifically, and you want to be in areas that pharmacies were not previously there. Why is that? 
Why do you want to play in that area? Well, uh, I think in any business you need to uh, position it. Um, the pharmaceutical industry, especially retail, has now been invaded by a lot of corporates. And in order to remain competitive also, I myself used to say, let me go to areas where these guys, these big guys are not there. Because in any way, based on the, the history, uh, the health system and the pharmaceutical services did not service certain areas. And those people still need their service in any way. The irony is one of my busiest pharmacies is in, in the, that rural area. You say not there, is it because it's not viable to be in that area? Or is there another reason why they're not there? No, no, it's not because it's not viable. It is viable. Healthcare is, is a need everywhere. Okay. So, yeah. and, and why is there the cash flow issues, the first point you wanted to talk about? What, what's, what's, what's behind that? Uh, well, you see, the, the, in retail farmers, we keep a lot of items, the product Stock. mix. Uh, uh, in order for you to remain competitive, especially nowadays with uh, consumers and customers that know their rights, that know what they need, mm. you need to be able to have almost uh, everything. Uh, the pharmacy is no longer an area where you just sell community. It is, it is an area where you also need to be able to provide services. That's why hence I said services, additional services. And in order for you to be, remain competitive, you need to have a, a healthy cash flow situation to be able to replenish stock as and when it's required. So you don't have enough stock? Yeah, I believe, I believe at this point I'm not running or we're not running at our optimal capacity. What would you say your, your stock is short by? Like you only have 50% of the stock you need or? Uh, perhaps about 30%. About 30%. Most of the things that mm. are required, we do have. It's just that, like, for example, let's say in the festive or in, uh, uh, during holiday season, when a lot of people have now moved back home, you find that now you've got to also change your stock mix a little bit, and you find that you don't have certain items. So in order to remain competitive, you just need to be able to make sure that you, you are well-stocked, especially with the, the fast-moving goods. Okay, Carol. Do you want oh, those questions? Yes, I am quite interested in knowing more about your marketing strategy. You said you want to be positioning your business. So tell me, what is your marketing strategy? Yeah, as I say, uh, my marketing strategy, at this point in time, I want to position Delin as, 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 as a group that mm -hmm. is going to be able to get into those markets that have need. My marketing strategy, therefore, is to take pharmaceutical care to areas that did not previously into areas that did not previously have that. So in order to, for us to do that, we need to, I need to establish Delin as a brand. Mm -hmm. And I, need to, I want to first solidify my, my base in terms of the area. I've, I've made a move uh, last year in terms of moving to Midland, but I found that the, the market was a bit different, and it's not necessarily my area of, uh, of, of strength. Mm -hmm. So my marketing strategy, is, as I say, is to move to those areas where I'll be able to be uh, uh, strong in terms of uh, accessibility of the, my, that particular market that I've identified. Can I just come in there? Are all the five pharmacies, do they all run under the same brand? Um, no, <laughs> not exactly. Uh, as I've indicated, one of my biggest uh, uh, intention is to brand Delin, like you know, these big names now, yeah. as Delin. As I have uh, three of my pharmacies, I'm running under the, um, the spa brand as you can see on my business card. Yes. Uh, running an independent retail pharmacy is very tough nowadays, especially with the, the large uh, corporates coming into there. So you find that you wanted to have a bigger brother, you know, in terms of the branding, so that you could become visible. And it was for that reason that 
uh, we decided to partner with the spa in terms of, but they, give, they are giving us that independence. But at the ultimate end, I want to have my own brand. And the no. other two have got the Delin brand? Yeah. No, yeah. you've got Medicare. 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 Medicare, yeah. So what, to explain that further on his line of questioning, you've got Delin, you said a few times you want that to be the brand. Then you've got the spa thing, and then Medicare. Medicare. Okay. What's the strategy <laughs> around that? Make me understand. Hey, okay, good. Uh, when I started my pharmacy back in 1996, it was called Medicare Pharmacy. And I could not, uh, I think we talked about uh, trademarks. I could not trademark that uh, Medicare because it was already uh, taken. So in 2018, when I re-changed wanted to put everything under one basket, that's when I came with Delin. And in the process, I also applied for trademarks. So that one has been, been approved. Yes. But uh, also in the process, I found myself having to partner with spa in terms of breeding because three of my pharmacies are next to the spa supermarkets. So the spa approached me and said, can we use your name, I mean, to use their name to, for my pharmacy. But that is not my long-term long strategy. The, 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 my branding, like any other corporate at this point, is still in the early stages, and that's where I want to ultimately brand Delin. Okay, we're going to have to take a break now. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue the questions uh, with Maropeng. Welcome back. Uh, this is the Big Small Business Show. This is the panel discussion today. We are live here from Johannesburg from the TSO Blackstar head office uh, at the uh, SM, Business Day SME Summit here in Johannesburg. Uh, in studio with us, we have Maropeng Modiba, who's uh, the founder and CEO of Delin Investments. And we've been talking about his uh, journey as an entrepreneur. He has five pharmacies. Uh, under three brands, and, and uh, his three main issues are cash flow, uh, positioning, uh, and, and branding. And branding. You think it's branding, yeah? <laughs> no, it's, the third uh, one was the second one was branding. The third one you rambled on a bit longer. I think it was positioning. What was your third positioning problem? In the mic. What, what was your third problem? The, okay, the third problem I think is right finding right, the right stuff actually in terms of yeah. okay oh. stuffing. Right, you, you seem to be having an issue with the branding here, which I do too. Oh, uh, I, I googled, eh? Yeah. Like I went deep into finding your business. And when I got there, firstly, I, I googled pharmacy in uh, Polokwane. You, you don't even exist. You're not there. I can find so many other, but not yours. So me, basically, I could see that there's a search engine optimization that needs to be worked mm -hmm. on. Okay. And then you also looked at it on your cell phone. Everyone thinks you're being rude here, but you actually are, are writing social notes media. on social media. <laughs> so you looked at the website. Are, yeah. are you happy with the website? Uh, not really. It's not responding to my smartphone. Uh -huh. It's only for the laptop. Okay. Uh, so it needs to be worked in a way that we can be able to see it clearly on our smartphones. You know, Aaron, we're going to be hard with him as we have, but in defense yes. on, these, on these points, if you look at his strategies to be in the outerlying areas, right. and if in the outerlying areas, it's a 
convenience, geo kind of passerby mm. aspect. I'm not, I mean, it's important the point you raise, but I don't think that that's intrinsic to that key market. So well, nothing's going to turn on it. So how do it's you nice get to sort it out. How, do, how do people find out about you? How do they come to you, your mm. store? Is it the fact that Spa is creating the feet for you? Are those your best stores, or is there some other reason they come to you? Uh, not necessarily. I think it's the other way around. I think they approach me because of my positioning. We, we're lucky that uh, where we are positioned, especially in the two rural areas, uh, we are the only two, uh, we are the only pharmacies in, in that municipality. Our location, we are well located, especially next to the hospital, next to the SASA offices and next to the police station. So we've been very lucky in terms of the position mm-hmm. where our pharmacies are located. Your, your margins, the, 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 the ability to make margin, my, I, I got a brief introduction to, to pharmacies before the show that the margin in front of the counter is higher than behind the counter because that's more governed by legislature in terms of what margins you can make. What kind of average margin are you working on? Yeah, well, it's true. Um, the, the, the industry is heavily regulated, especially in terms of price, pricing, single exit price, and also in terms of the medical aid rates. Medical aid want to pay whatever that you want to pay. But in the front shop, you can go up to 50% in terms of markup. Yeah. In the dispensary and over the counter, on average, about 26%. 20% markup 26, or, to, or, or markup? Markup. Yeah. Okay. So, so are, are some stores making profit and some not? Uh, no, they are all making profits. So, if they're all uh, making they, profit, they, they, why might, have you got they might, they might, they might differ in terms of uh, the, the, the gross profits yes. based on the, on the areas. Like the ones in the cities might be the big But at the low. bottom line, are they all net profit positive? Are they all positive net profit? The one in, the irony is the one in Midland that I talked about yes. has not been performing very well. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know whether because I moved into a totally different um, area or market from the traditional market that I'm used to. Uh, it is the one that has been giving me a, a good situation and I think this one that has contributed a lot. To, to my cash flow situation because okay. we, when you we started, we pumped in quite a lot of stock. Yes. And yeah. only to realize a few months later that about uh, 30% or so of the stock is not, was not correct. The stock mix was not correct. So that might have contributed largely to. Have you closed or sold any pharmacies um, previously? Yeah, the mid one, I've, I've, I put, decided to put it on hold for some time last year uh, because I could, I could not get the right person in terms of running. And then the area where it was was still very slow. So we've been working on a turnaround strategy to bring it back unless I get a, a buyer or a, a potentially good partner, which is always very difficult in the pharmacy industry. What, what are your controls like? You know, for, for having five branches out there where you can't be there all the time, I'm sure a shrinkage, which is a fancy term for theft, um, <laughs> is, is, uh, is a big issue. How do you control that? Well, uh, obviously, I mean, in retail, the shrinkage and theft is, is always the, the thing. Uh, we will always try to, uh, to control those in terms of technology, like the CCTV. Uh, I've got an operations manager who is not necessarily a pharmacist. We are got from a pharmaceutical industry with a quite an experience to monitor all operations uh, from the office, watching the, the CCTV of all the, what's happening throughout the stores and the systems. They can be able to have access to the systems. We, as part of my corporatization of the business, where I even had to get a financial person uh, to be in-house mm-hmm. to have access to all the, uh, the financial issues every day as they happen. Stock take how often? 
uh, we do what is called daily stock take. And uh, that is every day when we get into the pharmacy in the morning, we, just, we do print out a report of yesterday's sales and the items sold uh, and check those against what is left on the, on, the, on, the, on the shelves because you cannot do the whole stock. And then once in a quarter, we do a, a proper a stock take and obviously once a year, like this past weekend, we've been doing the stock take at all the stores. No, does, all, um, does all your stores depend on walk-ins or do you have uh, a way of advertising to push the, the traffic? Uh, as I said, uh, in terms of the location, we are well located. There's a lot of fit. That's an advantage in terms of our stores, especially those ones in, in Limpopo. Mm -hmm. we, we've got a lot of fit. It's mostly about 70% cash business. And then uh, we don't necessarily have to do a lot of... Uh, of advertising, especially on the, perhaps that's why we are looking a bit behind in, in terms of the social media and things like that. But it's something that we would also want to look at. But uh, it's mostly walk-in. Uh, but we also have an advantage because uh, at one of our stores, the, rural, the one in the rural area, we are a pick-up point for the chronic medication through the Department of Health. So we have managed to secure that contract. And I think we're gonna secure another one also in the other rural area, uh, especially Posing ourselves in line with the uh, NHI. Because so. I'm quite concerned about the Mitrend one, which seems to be taking resources or money from the others that are performing well. Mm. How do we then boost the one that is in Mitrend in a way that it can be self sufficient? Uh, as I've indicated, that's where I need capacity in terms of either uh, uh, the human resource, the relevant person who can be able to be a sort of a partner, or otherwise I'm going to have to dispose of and concentrate on areas where it makes sense and I'm able to, to have, because it's not, it's not even in line with my strategy. But uh, as someone was saying, you, you can't know if you don't start, because sometimes you don't want to have your basket in one place. You need to uh, mix the geographical area and see what works. And if it doesn't work, go back to the actual basics of, of where you are, you are strong at. Well, we have to take a break now. Uh, when we come back, we're going to come back with our summary starting off with tomorrow. Welcome back to the Big Small Business Show. Uh, we are in our panel discussion. We are in the final section, which is our summaries. In studio with us, we have Marupeng Modiba from Deline Investments. We've been talking about his pharmacy business and trying to understand where the issues lie with the business. We're going to start off with our first summary, Kumaran. Marupeng, uh, you know, of the three issues you mentioned. The first was a cash flow and related to stock. You need to stock this baby up with lots of uh, product lines. And uh, the third one is about your strategy, perhaps, and geolocation, which I like. Mm. And, you know, let's look at what's happening in the pharmacy landscape, strategy-wise, because I think there's an interplay between the strategy and the cash flow constraint. Now, you've got these big mother size kind of pharmacies. You know the brand, right? That's all over popping up and then we, you, we're allowed to say brands on the show hey we're allowed to say brands. this game and then you've got <laughs> and then and then you've got uh, the store in store you've seen all the big retail chains i've got the pharmacy within that right yes now one doesn't have to copy them but to understand that's important and the big the big guys has got the big stock lines a lot of equity capital or kind of permanent capital is needed to keep that stock line. You don't have that kind of funding. Perhaps you can get a little bit, but the point is you'll never be able to go to the mm -hmm. same extent. 
However, maybe you don't need to. I don't know your market very well, but maybe you don't need to. You know, if you look at the spaza shop in a certain area versus a supermarket, their product lines are far fewer. They have fast-turning kind of product lines they, because of a capital constraint. They can't afford to have you know, thousands of products on the, on the shelf because of space and capital. So maybe with your outer-lying areas, you're doing the scripts and all that kind of stuff, but your front shop is really... Uh, uh, has the faster moving product lines than you know this big stock thing. So maybe that's maybe you can turn what's a constraint into an opportunity. Maybe there's a further discussion after the show about that. So that would be my suggestion. Mr. Leto? Yes, for me, it's going to be looking into how we can assist you with uh, your brand positioning because at this moment, as when we looked for the lean, we found so many other links. Like for instance, med, uh, what is it called? Med, med, medcare, and we also find spa, the lean. Mm. So we need to be sure what when we Google and what we find because your clients are not only the walk-ins. We are the travelers. We could be in your area looking for a pharmacist, but mm. we need to be able to find you. Mm. So you're not only positioning yourself for those who can access you, even those who can't. So in a way. Even when you want to increase your sales, I would like to say we can also buy online. So maybe your website should allow us to be able mm. to order online and be able to pick them up ready without wasting any time. So those are the things that we can look into. You are already on social media. The fact that you open a page on Facebook and it was last updated in 2016, it needs <laughs> to, <laughs> you need to mm. definitely be uh, intentional because some of us, when we look, we can start on social media and it needs to speak onto your website. So update it or remove it till you are ready. I thought I was the tough one, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Right, from me, also normally what happens is I speak about strategy, he speaks about finance. But I, he spoke about strategy, so I'm going to have to speak about finance today. Um, so from, from, let me start off with some positive things. I like the, the fact that you've corporatized. You said we're starting the corporatization of the business. I think that's very important, particularly if you're looking for finance, any financier is going to be looking for the fact that there's professional um, accounting in the business, there's professional controls in the business before they finance you. So in terms of your future expansion, if that's not present now, you're going to have very slow organic growth. So the fact that you're thinking that way is a very, very good positive. I like the fact that, that you are, are, are not... I think the mid-rand um, mistake is a great lesson to learn early on in the journey. I think the strategy that you've identified where they are not present is a great one. You can build your business there. And I, I would stay there for a long time until you've got enough financial muscle to come in and fight them in the, in the urban areas. To me, from, from a, I work with m many retailers and some pharmaceutical business, uh, pharmacy businesses, and the big issue is around control because you've got some very expensive items in, in, the, in the stock. It's the stock turnover that Kamaran mentioned as well. It's about finding the right mix of goods. But the, the one thing that is critical for me is, as you pointed out, is who are you choosing as the person in the store? Because a person can walk out with 100 Rand or 200 Rand, depending on who they are. So in the same, in the same physical space, you can, you can generate far more turnover if you've got the right people. So for me, I'd focus very much on the selection of those individuals, on the training of those individuals, and then go back to the stock control and make sure that the stock control and the cash control 
is perfected because you cannot expand, and I'm thinking about scale now, mm. you cannot expand the business. To move from 5 to 10 is, is easy. To move from 10 to 20 is, is exponentially more, uh, more, more difficult. And if you don't have these disciplines in place now, you won't be able to exp uh, expand. And, and I think once you take control of your, your stock and your, 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 your cash, I think you will have additional cash flow. What I particularly like also, just one last point before I close out, is the fact that you spoke about the seasonal trade, that the fact that you have to have a different a product mix at different season. That kind of IP is, is critical to know how to operate in those areas, which somebody from an urban area wouldn't have insight into. So that's great IP and hold on to that and, and finesse that over time. Up next, without the psychologist, um, I don't know how to think when I'm frustrated, when I'm out there and I don't understand what's really going on. I'm, I'm, I'm lost, I'm doomed. A warm welcome back. Now today we're bringing you an interview in our Psyche of Success slot today. Yes, from time to time we have our Psyche of Success slot back. And today we have a very special guest uh, in studio with us. Her name is Khotsatso Monchane, or KG as many people call her. KG is currently ranked number one in South Africa and number six on the ITF World Wheelchair Tennis Rankings. She has won numerous Sportswoman of the Year awards and represented South Africa at three, not one, but three Paralympics. Welcome KG. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. Great. So it's not very often that I have uh, an Olympian here, here with me. But let's start with your story. You, you, you've lost a, a leg. Yeah, did it happen at birth? Or? Yeah, I was, uh, I was born with a congenital uh, deformity mm. derived from birth. So my left leg, it wasn't uh, well developed. Mm -hmm. So I had to undergo a surgery for amputation so that I can use a prosthetic leg because it helped me to be more mobile because I was limping a lot as a kid before the amputation. So disability is something that uh, it derived from birth for me and I've been living with it till today. When did you have the amputation? How old were you? Uh, I had the amputation when I was 12 years old. So yeah, the doctors just suggested that if I get amputated and get a prosthetic leg, I would be able to move better and I wouldn't have to have back problems or hip problems as I grow up. So now how do you go from there to tennis? Because uh, it's quite a, a jump, right? Ah, you know, I, I was lucky that my parents took me to a, to a special school, you know, uh, a school whereby it's kids with special needs. And uh, there's an environment where I felt like more welcomed. It was a positive environment for me to grow in. And I never knew any sport before I went to that school. I, I mean, I grew up in rural areas. But when I got there, they introduced to me all this sporting code athletics, wheelchair basketball, table tennis, I mean, ballroom dance, aerobics. So all those things, they, it started at school. But tennis, it wasn't one of my favorite anyway. <laughs> I didn't like playing tennis when it was introduced at school because I was packed with a lot of activities. But because I was an active learner at school, so I was a great candidate for them to pick to represent the school at one of their wheelchair tennis uh, camps. But you go from not liking it to being asked to, to come play and then to number one. I mean, surely that journey isn't this uh, zero to hero story. There must be, have been a, 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 little, a little bit of struggle in, in that journey. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it started 2005 as, as I was at uh, high school. Then I went to varsity. It was the only sport that was played there by people with disabilities. Then I just had to join because I loved playing sport. But uh, I never knew what I was getting into, to be honest. Uh, I, was, I was just playing like I did at, at high school. But I started traveling. I was like, oh, then this is a good opportunity to see the world. But for me, I didn't know what I was doing. But funny enough, I excelled. I, I mean, I started beating top players. I was an underdog that everyone was scared of. But in the back of my head, I didn't know what I was doing until I got hit by injuries. Then that's when I started to understand what's really this, what's into this, you know. I started to want more. I started to want to be healthy and play again and yeah i mean that's how i even even got into uh, uh, olympics because i started i had to start doing things in the right way if i wanted to 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 be a professional tennis player how, how much time do you spend practicing oh i mean uh, in a normal day it's a it's a, it's a two-hour session with the coach mm -hmm. and uh, i still need to put in some gym i mean physical work and uh yeah and another session in the afternoon, match practice, because you need to you need to you know practice matches as whatever you get into the sessions and put them into your place. So basically, it's a good four hours on court. And a day. Yeah, 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 a sure. day. So yeah. a good four hours on court and uh, a good hour, depending on how you feel in the gym and all that. So yeah, you know, the reason why um, I think it's important that somebody in sport is here in the psyche of success on a business show is because it's the metaphor of sport and business are almost identical. There's, there's, there's a journey of, of uh, struggle and practice and all these things that we require to succeed. But let's come back to the connection, a, a deeper connection, which is the business of, of what you do. You, in order to succeed, you require funding. It's not, not uh, cheap to, to be number one. How do you get this funding? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I was fortunate that in in, uh, in the past in the past good ten years that I was that I have been playing wheelchair tennis South Africa had uh, a, a huge sponsorship from Airport Company South Africa, which is the one that assisted me as a player to be able to go around the world to pay the coaches to pay the physical trainers to pay for my mental stuff my physio and all that so I, I would say I was I was fortunate to have wheelchair tennis South Africa behind me because without them and their sponsor for what they did, I couldn't have been where I am. And which at the moment, they don't have a sponsor. I don't know <laughs> what really happened, but uh, Airport Company South Africa is no longer there for wheelchair tennis South Africa, which it now takes a toll back to us as players because it's, it's difficult for us to, ha to get individual sponsors here at home. I, d I don't know why is it so difficult. But uh, yeah, you, you, you're right when you say without funding, without all that, we probably nothing. But uh, because of the passion that we have and the love for the sport, we keep, we, I mean, we, we, we keep striving and working hard, hoping that one day we will reach that world number one ranking, which we believe is going to be the great opener to the great sponsorships. Let's come back to the, you spoke about growing up and then you had the supportive environment at school. You feel like that. Uh, you're talking about your support team now. 
talk to me about the importance of creating, because you've had to create a, a supportive environment around yourself. Now, you spoke about your physio, your, your, ment your mental um, toughness, and your actual technical tennis co uh, coaching, etc. Talk to me about that part of your life. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, that's the most important part of my life because, uh, I mean, we, we without, without the psychologist, um, I don't know how to think when I'm frustrated, when I'm out there and I don't understand what's really going on. I'm, I'm, I'm lost, I'm doomed. And without the physio, you can just imagine if the body can't wake up every day, I'm, 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 I'm gone. Without my coach trying to make me see that as a tennis player, You'll never be perfect because there'll always be a mistake in mm. each and every shot. So without those people, I, do, I don't think I could have been where I am because they they, they, they they helping me, they building me, they showing me directions. They, they, they make me feel like it's okay not to be well. It's okay if you think this way. It's normal because, I mean, when I started, I didn't know all those things. I used to just be hard on myself thinking, why can't I get it right? Why can't I just win? But having these people in my team, they help me understand it's okay to lose because that's how you learn, you know? So if there was, my last question to you is there's somebody out there now, an entrepreneur who's wanting to give up, is watching this particular psyche of success slot right now, watching you, knows the struggles you've been through. What advice would you give to somebody who's, a, who's thinking about giving up? What I would say to them is think of all the things that you have achieved. Think of where you all started, because it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a pack of hard work, so you don't want to give that away. So think of where you're coming from before you give it up, because you, I mean, it was a hard work, so don't, don't give up on that. It's a lot. <laughs> huge, huge investment. No, don't throw away your investment. Exactly, exactly. In simple terms, don't throw away your investment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, great advice. Thanks, KG. Please stay tuned to see what's coming up next after the break. We'll be right back. But then there's a next level, which is when you have boosted posts and you have AdWords in on top of, of that. Right. Right. So do you have to think about the future now? Welcome back. We continue today with uh, our series of on marketing with our expert, Pierre Casuto, who is general manager of Honeycomb. Now, the last time we met with Pierre, we spoke about um, sort of the, the basics, the, the starting point when we talk about digital media. And that is, is that to know who you, who you are, are targeting and uh, exactly what you want from those individuals. I think it's as simple as that, that we have to start there. Today we're moving to the next uh, section which is, is having this online presence, is which is the right online presence for you, which uh, is it uh, having a website, is it Facebook, is it Twitter, is it a combo, what is it? So to put it in another very simple perspective and that's why I love talking to Pierre is because Pierre takes these complex issues and makes it very simple 
is that it's sort of creating the honey trap. Is the honey trap? How do? Where do they come to, to to be spoken with, not to? Um, and what is the? Uh, as Pierre put it, what is the destination where they can find you? And plus one very important element which we're going to keep till the end, so that you stay tuned. We want to keep you stuck to our honey trap. Right. So thanks, Alan. It's very kind of you. So. Uh, I've, I've set it up for you. <laughs> What's the answer? Thank you. No pressure. <laughs> um, so, I think to your point, uh, very often people think marketing equals advertising. And so they think, ooh, digital marketing, I need to set up some ads. That's the first thing I need to do. But actually, there's buyers out there that are looking for you or a company like you. So are we going to stick to the plumber in Randberg thing? Or are we going to yes, let's maybe, do that. Let's, let's help. Maybe right. there's somebody who's watching who's a plumber, plumber in Randberg, and we're like actually doing his whole strategy for him right now. Right. So there's people that are looking for plumbers in Randberg right now. And if you have no online presence, what are your chances of being found online? They're about 0%, I would say, more or less. So the first thing you need to do is make sure that people can find you, which means having an online presence. And it doesn't mean you need to be a developer. It doesn't mean you need to have a website. There are other ways you can have an online presence even if you don't put out a website. Having a website is great and we will talk about it a little bit later, but you can have an online presence through like a Google Map listing, for example, um, a Facebook page. Um, you can be listed on directories. So there's many directories that exist out there for your industry that you might not even be aware of. If you're a hotel, you should definitely be on TripAdvisor as an example. Mm -hmm. And people will find you through this and that way, they'll then be able to contact you if, you if your details are listed on that and you're monitoring that so that you can monitor your sales. So a Facebook page is very creative ways and people use a Facebook page. Um, there's a restaurant not very far from where I live that doesn't have a website. Instead, they have a Facebook page and they they've taken pictures of their menu, they've put those in the gallery, and they've got themselves listed on the map. Mm. And when you search for their name, the first thing that appears at the top of the search is their Facebook page. It's almost like a little microsite mm. and there's no developer required for that. It's literally somebody with a phone taking a few pictures of, of the restaurant and the camera and then making sure they create the page. So it, not having developer, not having graphic designers or technical skills shouldn't stop you from having an online presence. So let's move to the combination of those, those um, locate, uh, what, what do we call the, these, the, 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 these online pages or destinations? Pages, de or destinations, I think, yeah. These online destinations. Let's look at the combo of, of that. So you, you start off as a small business that you want that cost is very important, right? So you're starting at that point where you're trying to create like a Facebook. And as you said, it doesn't cost you anything to populate that, if, if you, especially if you're small, okay? Um, and then there are others that are in inverted commas free because like, like Twitter and uh, uh, in Instagram, etc. But then there's a next level, which is when you have boosted posts and you have AdWords in, on top of, of that. Right. right. So do you have to think about the future now? Do you, do you think about, because if you're going to start building a following, my biggest fear around any one of these destinations is that it's not going to be the right following for when I want to boost, when I want to go to market later. So. So I think that there's a couple of parts to your question. Yeah. The first one is around who's on those platforms. And if you look at demographics across Facebook, for example, mm. it's the entire internet is more or less on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and, and it cuts across demographics. It used to be a youth platform that's actually a much older platform than it used to be, right? And, and, we, and most of the youth is moving away from Facebook. Yes. But it's, they're still there to yeah. an extent, right? So 
whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, you know, if it's Google Maps, like everybody uses Google Maps, right? So I, I wouldn't worry about the demographics of the channel you're going to be on. What I would think about is what's most fit for purpose at this stage and what are you comfortable with? If you're really starting small and you just want to make sure that you have an online presence, start with what you're comfortable with and where you're going to be able to, um, you know, to build something that you can manage, again, if you're really small. Um, beyond that, the only other thing you need to be aware of is once you're there, be committed. So if, if you're going to have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, then be committed, like look after these platforms because people might pass comments, they might pass questions, they might send you a sales inquiry. If you're not monitoring it, then it's like I'm, you've just put up a shop window somewhere and then there's no one behind that window. You're wasting your time and other people's time and it might feel, they might resent you for that. Mm. So wherever you go, be committed. Yes. Okay, so now I'm starting to get the first thing that we spoke about the last time was, okay, who do we want and what do we want from them? This time we're talking about the destination setting up all these shop windows, that which are the shop windows um, and what do we have in them. But then there is also the outbound stuff, is how, there's the people walking past, in other words, somebody typing in looking for your restaurant or, or the plumber in Randburg. But there's the opposite as well, which is the outbound, is where you're trying to attract people who are not walking past your window to come to your window. And there's a lot of different ways to do this, um, which I think, again, maybe we must keep for perhaps next session if you yeah. want. Maybe we can yeah. do it then, because I think that's when you start having quite a few layers of complexity. Right. I think something that some people might be interested in about is, is a website. How can I get a website kind of for my business? Because it's, it's both a little bit of a vanity thing, and at the same time, if you're kind of a serious business, it, you might feel they might give you those credentials. It might make people feel like you're more trustworthy because you've got your own URL, you've got your own website, you look a little bit more professional. Yeah. Um, and it's often that's a stumbling block for people. They go, oh, how do I get a website? It's really complicated. Again, like the experts we were talking about last time, I need to get a, a, an agency or somebody expensive to do that. The reality is there's a few options for you out there to get your own website. There's WordPress, which is uh, a, a, a content management system that's yeah. you build websites using templates that you can yeah. buy and then customize. Mm -hmm. Again, maybe that's kind of intermediate to advanced. And then there's other platforms, like um, there's a lot of them out there, but like Wix or Squarespace that let you use like a, like a drag and drop approach. You choose the theme, you drag and drop, you type it in as if you were creating your, as if you design your website live on a web page and lets you do all of that stuff and then has a whole hosted solution. You pick your URL, you pick everything. Even if you've got zero technical knowledge, but you've got a little bit of curiosity, you can build your own website in about half an hour. Now we promised the viewers that there was one additional important fact to think about. What is that? The really important fact to think about is all we've talked about right now is acquiring new customers. But whatever you do, you must think about your existing customers too because they're a reflection of how you're going to treat your next customer. So whatever platform you build, you must make sure that it doesn't just look at attracting new customers, but it satisfies the needs of your existing customers. Because the guy who's bought your product and by, for whatever reason it was defective, he needs to have a channel to be able to tell you this, right? Because if he's not happy, he's going to find another channel to tell everyone else about it, right? So he needs to be able to reach you and you need to be able to service him. And if you make them happy, if you make your customers happy, have a place where they can review you, right? And, and manage those reviews and make sure that you can uh, you know, like I said, look after their problems, but also maybe even look after them in a proactive way, if necessary, and build some relationships that way. Great place to end. Love the clarity. Well, that's it uh, for today's show. Please stay tuned for my reflection on the whole of today's show. 
Well, it's time for my impressions uh, for today. Today I'd like to take um, something out of my interview, the Psyche of Success slot with KG. What stood out for me there was the fact that she had constructed her support system around her. It was felt very deliberate. And, and the way that I analyzed it, talking about her support system, she had technical support in terms of a tennis coach. She had physical um, uh, support in terms of a physio and she had mental support in terms of her sports psychologist. That was a team that she, she surrounded herself with in order to become number one in South Africa and a view to number one in the world. Now, too often what I see with entrepreneurs is they see support as mentorship. I speak about mentorship a lot on the show, but it's not the only type of support we need as entrepreneurs. Mentorship is just but one type of uh, support that we need. And I want to talk to you about five different types of support that I think you should deliberately, deliberately try and construct around you. The first one is, is the strategic support. And this can be from a, a, let's call it a strategic mentor. Now what this means is somebody who doesn't know the specifics around your particular business, but understands strategy, is a big thinker, has built businesses before and can uh, can ask you questions that make you think a little bit more clearly about the future. So as part of my team, I know that I have two strategic uh, support uh, support people in my life. One is my mentor and one is, of course, Kumaran, who is on the show with me every week. I use Kumaran a lot to think about the future, to talk about uh, if, if he thinks my strategy is right or wrong. The second type is a technical uh, is technical support, and this is people from within your specific industry or related industries that understand the nuances of how your industry works, and can give you shortcuts, advice, uh, lessons learned from from their journeys in order to ensure that you don't make the same mista mistakes. If you're a pioneer in an industry, of course, technical is very hard to get that, and you can focus on only parts of your business where you can get technical support. If you are in an industry with existing uh, competitors or people who've been there before, much easier to find that technical support. The third is emotional support. Emotional support, of course, we speak about your family, your friends, this kind of emotional support. We know what this journey is like. It's up, it's down. You, the mornings you wake up, you don't know why you're doing this thing. You need that kind of emotional support around you. And friends and family are a very important part of keeping in your inner circle to ensure that they can support you, particularly through your bad times. And of course, cheer on when you do, you do something right and win an account and things like that. The fourth is not for everyone. For those of you who are spiritual, it's a spiritual support in terms of uh, sort of what does this all mean. This is about the meaning of your, your journey. And I have one of those people who keeps, keeps questioning me around the, the meaning of why I'm doing something. And this kind of support connects me to the meaning the whole time and ensures that very, very often in those dark days when you're struggling and you don't know why you, you're doing it anymore, they connect you back to the why, connect you to the meaning of what you're doing. And the fifth is, is, is I think, a weird one, but it's the fun support because we can get really, really serious. And I have a particular person within my my circle, who's a lot of fun, make sure he, he always tells me I'm far too serious and make sure that, that part of the balance of my life is to have fun, which gives me that kind of release and, and perspective again, particularly in, in tough times. So construct, deliberately construct 
your support ecosystem around you. Well, that's it for this week. Remember, if you think it, write it down and make it a reality.